Winter was here, but we are just getting started on the Game of Thrones rewatch of Season 7, Episode 5, Eastwatch. And now, here are the two guys who are all hopped up on fermented crab. I am Rob Sesternino here with Josh Wiggler. Josh, how are you? Turned on, <laughs> big time. <laughs> I can't even hide it. I am just ready to go for hours. You don't need to head on over to your favorite establishment before we get into talking about uh, the fifth episode of season seven. It's hammer time, baby. <laughs> Warhammer time as Gendry, a.k.a. Clovis, is back after a long yadas and a lot of uh, peace moving around, setting up our big caper coming up next week as we are going to go hunting for a walker. Yeah, a white. white walker. Uh, yeah, a white indeed. Uh, and we should say uh, two weeks from now, uh, a programming note for the people who are listening to this live. We won't be back next week. We're going to take a quick week off and we'll be back in two weeks. So heck of a cliffhanger to leave people on here with Eastwatch as we are embarking beyond the wall with the Eastwatch 7 yeah, the Eastwatch 7, it's all picking up as uh, we are now really closing in. Is it uh, going to be about one month till uh, d- d- drop day for Game of Thrones? It's close. It's really close. It's March 12th as we are recording this, probably March 13th as this podcast is dropping. And Game of Thrones final season premiere is April 14th. Yeah. So. Uh, rushing up to meet us here. We are getting dangerously close to the end of the line, about 10 weeks away from being all done with Game of Thrones. Okay, anything from the news with uh, Game of Thrones this week? Mercifully, nothing so far. Mercifully, nothing so far. I'm just chipping away at my final path predictions. We just posted our Samuel Tarly final path on Sunday. We've got Theon Greyjoy Coming up here, uh, coming up next on on Final Path, THR.com slash Game of Thrones. I'm struggling a little bit with the Theon one, to be mm-hmm. completely candid. Yeah. Uh, just not much to say. Like, there's I, there's always a section for unresolved mystery for these characters. And I don't really know what the unresolved mystery is with Theon. Is he is he going to be, like, a, a real guy and, like, you know, save his sister? Or is he going to continue to, you know, be scared of everything or what? What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. I don't think that there's any, like, real mystery to unlock with Theon. So open to suggestions if you have any. Uh, didn't you at one point uh, theorize he was going to uh, Castle Black? Yeah, I guess that's on there, maybe. Is the um, Night's Watch going to exist after the final season of Game of Thrones? I feel like some version of it ought to. Uh, yeah. if, if everyone's lucky enough to survive, I think the Night's Watch deserves what all the money. What are they the doing? Money. I mean, if they yeah. if they defeat the Night King and his army. Making sure that that stays the case forever. <laughs> There's no wildlings. The wall yes. comes down. Like, what are they, they going to rebuild the wall? They, you know, they all, Pick up a litter? They really just have to rebuild part of the wall. Frankly, mm-hmm. you know, you, we'll see it in a couple of episodes from now when we get to the season seven finale. It's a big hole in the wall, but it's not the whole wall. The wall is still there. They just okay. got to they got to repair some of it. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think Theon's going to make it out of this thing alive is my current. Yeah, probably a, a hero's death. Yeah, uh, trying so. to, you know, I think so. Yeah. That sounds Yara, about right. okay. And he's going to Neuron's going to do the thing and Theon's going to feel like he he accomplished something and then he's going to die and that'll be that. Mm hmm. Did we talk about it last week? I liked it when uh, Euron was doing like a Theon impression of like, oh, I'm so scared. <laughs> 
He was like, oh, Yara, did you see that when your brother was like being a little baby? Oh, God, Yaron's the worst. <laughs> so let's get into this episode, which uh, there was a big cliffhanger last week. I don't know if you remember. It looked like Jamie Lannister might drown. It did look like Jamie Lannister might drown. Uh, he was in a bad way. He was uh, he was sinking to the bottom of the lake pretty quickly. Yeah. Very quickly. He looked like he was about to you know, hit the bottom of the lake. But uh, no, he was fine. Uh, Braun fine. pulled him right out. Yeah. What's with these cliffhangers that are just uh, resolved so neatly? <laughs> yeah. So quickly. Uh, so <laughs> Jamie says to Braun, hey, you could have killed me. Yeah. And Bronn's like, no, you know, you could have killed yourself and that yeah. would have been really bad for me. You tried to fight a, a dragon. I like Bronn's logic there of like, it would have been worth me getting incinerated by dragon fire because the whole past several years would have been literally for nothing. And I may as well just be incinerated. You have to give me all of the money that I am owed. Yeah. Uh, he also says dragons. That's it. Like if if you're still going after the dragon queen, I'm out. I'm not going to let this be a problem. I've dealt with a lot, but I'm not dealing with dragons. That's where the deal ends. Right. And you're not getting killed by a dragon. Only I get to kill you. That's it. You owe me. You don't get to get the easy way out of getting a dragon to burn you alive with fire. So let's, you know, go tell Cersei the the jig is up. Yeah, the jig is up. That's Uh, it. That's the that's the it's over. There's (laughs) there's nothing more to to fight here. Uh, So that's bronze deal. That's the. That's the that's the pitch he's making. He's telling Jamie, uh, if you have to if you have to go and deal with Cersei and tell her that the war is over, you may as well just want to jump back in the river. <laughs> okay, so uh, we see Tyrion uh, walking around uh, through the ash of uh, the burned Lannister forces. Uh, this is a tough thing for uh, Tyrion to have to this destruction on the battlefield that he uh, helped preside over. Yeah, it's like it's post-Infinity War, and he's walking through the ashes of all these people who've been snapped out of existence. Uh, It's very dramatic as he is seeing all of these dead bodies that are uh, totally fried, and Daenerys kind of just presiding over everybody like the war queen that she is in this moment. And I think for the first time, uh, Tyrion maybe not feeling like remarkably great about backing Daenerys. So... Danny is going to, you know, hold court over all of the captured Lannister and uh, High Garden forces that are out there, or uh, the Tarly forces. What are, we, are they? Are they High Garden forces, or they're all de- they're all defeated? The rebelling the High, High Garden High forces done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the the people of the Reach who have the turned reach. on the High Garden people, but also you know the Lannisters for sure. Yeah, and so Cersei is like, look, I know what you heard about me. I am uh, not some monster that's going to come and, uh, you know, burn everybody alive and destroy your cities. Like, I just had to do this thing right here. But, you know, like, just bend the knee and there'll be no more of this. Not everyone is down to bend the knee. Mm. Uh, Randall and Dickon have no interest. Yeah. And so uh, you, you in the front, uh, step forward. Uh, Randall Tarley says, oh, I already got a queen. What's your queen got to do with me? You know, I got a queen and Randall Tarly at this point, he needed some arm twisting to turn on Lady Elena. And yet it is, you know, he's literally facing down the barrel of a dragon gun 
and he is not willing to turn on Cersei Lannister. I don't know if that speaks towards Randall's stubbornness or Daenerys's lack of ability to close the deal. Uh, hard, hard to tell exactly what's going on here, or Tyrion, for that matter, not being able to convince either of these people to back down. I think everybody on the board here is just remarkably stubborn, and Tyrion is just fairly ineffective in this moment as well. Yeah. I picked up on a little tinge of the xenophobia from uh, Randall Tarley that uh, oh, does tinge? not like the uh. Uh, Dothraki savages being uh, brought here into Westeros proper. So his I, hat got knocked off on the battlefield somewhere. Right. So maybe if it was, you know, just, uh, you know, Daenerys Targaryen and we didn't have, you know, everything going on with the Dothraki and even Unsullied, then maybe he could change. But, you know, he's going to, you know, stick with the people that were from Westeros. Westeros first. (laughs) Yeah. Uh. And so, okay, well. That's uh, that's unfortunate. And so uh, they're talking about uh, maybe that, you know, uh, he could take the black Tyrion's like trying to talk her out of uh, what she is planning right here. Yeah. But then Randall Tar is like, I'm not taking the black. And Tyrion's like, God, just take the black. Yeah. Uh, so he's not even going to take the lifeline here. Daenerys is not going to imprison people. She is. We, you know, very established track record is anti chains, uh, does not want to see uh, anyone in chains. So she'll just incinerate the guy. Yeah. Uh, and then Dickon says, ah, 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 what about me? Uh, yeah. You're going to have to kill me, too, if you kill my dad. And Randall's like, nope, nope. Yeah. Dick on. Yeah. Dick on. Yeah. This move from Dick no. on Tarly is about as dumb as the entire first season of the Umbrella Academy. <laughs> uh, it's just a very bad choice all around. Yeah. And Tyrion's like, no, this is a bad idea. This is a bad idea. And they say, nope. No, it's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, Randall eventually kind of relents because he doesn't really have a choice. Daenerys is, uh, you know, she means what she says. She, at the very least, she's not going to behead anybody. Tyrion's like, listen, if you start beheading entire families, and Danny's like, oh, no, who said anything about beheading anyone? She's going to burn uh, them alive. She's going to burn them alive. Dragonfire. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so uh, Drogon has like amazing like pinpoint accuracy that uh, Daenerys could just say, Drakars, and like he knows like immediately who, the, the, you know, uh, oh, like uh, like he didn't accidentally like go after the whole like uh all the prisoners or anything like that uh he knew exactly yeah yeah i mean drogon and daenerys are very in sync these days i think that they're they're connected they're bonded drogon knows what daenerys wants and he acts accordingly she doesn't even point point to them it's just like uh boy that's a well-trained dragon it's a very well-trained dragon yes and uh that's a wrap for randall and dickon tarley yeah, and still te- to be determined how Samuel Tarly is going to react to all of this. They talk about it a little bit in this episode, of like, oh, is that the guy whose uh, who's brother and dad just got burned to bits? Mm-hmm. Uh, but Sam himself has not discovered this news, and in the final season, you got to imagine he's going to find out pretty quickly when he meets Daenerys at Winterfell. Uh, curious to see how that's going to play out. No love lost between him and his father, but uh, this might be a little ugly. And while a, you know, sad ending for Randall and Dickon Tarly, uh, all of the captured Lannister soldiers uh, immediately bend the knee to uh, Queen Daenerys. 
I mean, it's effective in the moment, but you do wonder like how effective will it be long term? You know, mm-hmm. how effective is it going to be in the grand scheme of things if this is the way that Daenerys plans to rule? I think uh, we should take note of Tyrion's concern. If Tyrion at a lot of times is uh, like an avatar for us, right, where, you know, he is supposed to be the level headed guy in the room. If he's concerned about this, I feel like we should be concerned as well. Right. And, you know, in hindsight for Randall and Dickon Tarly, like we don't think that the Lannister soldiers are fighting for Daenerys now, right? I think that these people are probably now part of the crew. Would be they my are? bet. I would expect so, so right? Like, what's no she going to do? She's just going to like army. The Lannister no. army is going to fight against uh, whatever swords uh, Cersei brings in and they're going to fight well, for Daenerys. Well, I think that whatever is left, uh, I think that the people on the battlefield here are probably now part of the Targaryen fold. How otherwise they're all dead. Like they're not just getting released. They're not just getting sent. Danny back. and Drogon are going to leave. Yeah, they have. To, I mean, I, they have to have found some way to enforce this. That's ridiculous if they haven't. <laughs> I think it, it doesn't matter if the Lannister army is torched or not because the Golden Company is on its way. And that's going to be the thing to fear. Like that's still a Lannister army. Be interesting to see if we uh, see these like uh, Lannister red cloaks out there who they're fighting for. Yeah. Ed Sheeran. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Noah Syndergaard. Yeah. You don't think Ed Sheeran got torched, do you? Nah, he's fine. Okay. All right. Uh, Jamie is going to come back home and uh, that he is going to give the report to Cersei. Yeah. Uh, they lost a lot of men. Not a full accounting yet. Uh, they've got a lot of money, which is good. Uh, but Jamie is trying to tell Cersei, listen, I just saw that go down. The Dothraki are insane and they've got dragons yeah. and the, the gigantic ass crossbow that you built. It's nice. It did not work. It, not enough. Not enough. Yeah. So, so we probably can't do this, Cersei and Cersei saying, well, what's the alternative? Mm-hmm. I'm Cersei Lannister. Uh, you killed her dad and I'm terrible. Like we're not going to be, uh, you know, allowed to live mm-hmm. if we, if we bend to the knee here. Yeah. So Cersei says, well, it doesn't matter. We got gold. We, you know, we'll get some, uh, mercenaries, uh, with the iron bank. Uh, that'll be the, you know, that'll help. Uh, and Jamie is trying to say, no, you, you don't get it. You don't get that. that, that, that she has a dragon. We are out gunned here. And, uh, Cersei's like, no, you don't get it. Yeah. Maybe you could uh, get our brother to, uh, he's being like uh, kind of uh, mocking in tone. Uh, And uh, maybe he could, that could be a makeup for, you know, killing our son and our father. Yeah. And Jamie says, uh, no, 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 he didn't. Yeah. No, no, you saw the crossbow. No, 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 he didn't kill Joffrey. It was Elena. She just told me. And Cersei's like, oh, cool and you just like really peacefully poisoned her to death that's very sweet of you she killed our son and you just like euthanized her mm-hmm. right yeah and then jamie's able to convince her pretty quickly she's like no it wasn't her and like no no get it L- listen to this like uh if you were elena wouldn't you wouldn't you want marjorie married to tommen and not joffrey who was a real uh pos like right that, yeah. that makes sense right yeah. Like, yeah i guess so like yeah. they quickly get off the subject yeah, because, you know, the more important thing is, like, we're going to die here. Uh, if we don't figure something out, we're toast. So we mm-hmm. got to figure something out. Yeah. So, yeah, don't worry about Elena. She's dead. And uh, if we don't find a way out of this war, 
we will follow them to death. And Cersei, I think we get a, a really concise worldview here from Cersei. She says, OK, so our options are we fight and die or we submit and die. I know my choice. A soldier should know his. So yeah. if we're going to die either way, why are we giving up? Yeah. Well, you know, she's she's the one who has the 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 line of the series, frankly. You know, when you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. There is no middle ground. So if winning is off the table, then it sounds like they're going to die. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to die, do you die via just resignation or do you die still trying to fight to win? Uh, she wants to fight to win. Yeah. Okay. So uh, makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. Uh, we see Danny uh, return back to Dragonstone, and uh, Jon Snow is going to get uh, buzzed by Drogon landing in front of him. And Jon Snow, a little startled at first, but uh, he is going to uh, reach out and uh, pet Drogon on the nose, and Drogon seems to like it. Yeah, literally on the nose, letting us know that Jon Snow is a Targaryen. <laughs> that yeah. he's got he's got the dragon blood coursing through his veins here. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, Jon compliments her dragons and she says uh, that they are uh, not beasts, as Jon Snow said. They are her children. And uh, we get the update. And Danny says, well, I have less enemies than I did yesterday. It was pretty cool. You should have seen it. There's a lot of fire. There's a crossbow. Mm-hmm. That was kind of scary, but everything else is pretty good. Yeah. And they almost get into the, hey, remember when Davos said that you got a knife through the chest? What was, what was that all about? Just like, ah, don't listen to him. You yeah. Know, he's, he gets very, he gets carried away. Sir, uh, there's a visitor. Like, oh, okay. It's, it's Jorah. Yeah. Jorah's back. That's right. Jorah Mormont, freshly cured of grayscale He's got like Jack Nicholson in the shining hair going on in this moment. <laughs> Super he, windy at Dragonstone. This very time. windy, very windy. He looks like he has spent a, a fortnight at the Overlook Hotel <laughs> as he is kneeling before Daenerys, uh, ready to to return to her service. And she gives him a big hug. So she's she's fairly fearless. Daenerys. Okay. Meanwhile, back at Winterfell, uh, we're going to see Bran sending out some uh, ravens on a scouting mission, sends them over the wall. They find the Night King and they are scared. Yeah, you know, it is not impossible that when the three eyed raven once told Bran Stark, he said, uh, you will never walk again, Brandon, but you will fly. Mm-hmm. Is this is this the flight? Is this him flying? Does this count? Maybe. So uh, maybe. Boy. Very, very underwhelming. It will be very underwhelming if this is all the flying that Bran Stark does and he doesn't warg into a dragon. If that doesn't happen, it's going to be very, very, very frustrating. Like, technically, the Three-Eyed Raven will have been right. Don't even put this thought out into the universe. I mean, you just have to you have to consider it as a possibility. Going back through this season, I'm really enjoying season seven of, of Game of Thrones. I'm having a, a, a really fun time re-watching and re-watching it again, having binged it and now watching it again in such short order in, in episode by episode order uh i feel very good about where we are heading into the final six episodes that i think brand stark working into a dragon would be at like the center of my bingo board but if they really want to screw us over they could just say yeah well he flew in the ravens that happened mm-hmm. does that yeah. not count 
You should make the Game of Thrones uh, bingo board. Um, Final season bingo board. I don't have like the graphic design skills to do it, but (laughs) if someone wants to team up with me, uh, reach out. Okay. All right. So we go to the Citadel and see uh, the Maesters. Uh, they got some uh, some hot gossip coming in, Josh, that we are hearing about. Like, uh, oh, you see this one from Maester Walken? Who is this guy? What a hack he is. Yeah. Uh, something about a boy saw ravens and uh, the army of the dead beyond the wall. Uh, yeah. Probably fake news. Yeah, fake news indeed. And Sam is nearby and he's he's overhearing all of this and he hears the description of the quote unquote crippled boy who has seen dead men on the march beyond the wall. And Sam knows who that is. That's Bran Stark. He understands. Uh, And he believes if Bran Stark is telling us that the Night King is on the march, we need to hear what he has to say. And the maesters all look at Sam and burst out laughing because they think he's an idiot. Yeah, Uh, you are uh, an idiot and you need to uh, keep doing more of this uh, meaningless work. And, you know, Sam doesn't really have sort of like a uh, Daniel son and Mr. Miyagi uh, relationship with the Maesters. It's not like despite waxing on and off for a long time (laughs) in the first episode. Right. Like there is no plan here in terms of uh, what the Maesters are teaching Sam. As far as I can tell, the Maesters have no plan at all. Like their their move is to do nothing. That's their move. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So uh, Sam is ultimately going to storm out and uh, the Maesters talk about how like, oh, that's the poor guy that uh, his dad and his brother got burned by the dragons. Right. Yeah. Don't tell him that. I haven't figured out how to break the news. Yeah. Really rough stuff. Okay. All right. Um, Varys and Tyrion are going to talk about uh, some of this uh, trepidation that Tyrion is uh, feeling. And uh, Varys is not loving it either about uh, he's seen this before from a Targaryen ruler. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's been here before. Uh, I also like how, how Varys starts drinking with Tyrion. I don't think we don't really see Varys drinking much. I imagine that like he's a lightweight here. And I, I imagine him getting like pretty instantly rocked as he's talking to Tyrion. He's like, I'm telling you, the Targaryen's a bad business. Zaris mm-hmm. is no good. Yeah. Can't trust her. I feel like uh, drunk Westeros history would be fun. Some version of that has to exist already. I think so. I think uh, some, we'll, we'll do a YouTube search. Um, yeah. So, you know, Tyrion tells Varys, uh, don't, Daenerys is not her father. And Varys you know, gives him, reassures him, like, no, she won't be, not with the right counsel. But you gotta yeah. make her listen to you. Yeah. If you're, if you're here, if you're listening, if, if she's listening to you, I feel good about, about the future of Westeros. But if she's not taking your advice, then we're, we're in a little bit of a bad way, seems to be the subtext. Uh, we find out that Varys is drinking because apparently there's very bad news for the king in the north, and uh, Varys is not a fan of what's in uh, what's that, whatever's in the letter here. But we're going to find out pretty quickly what's in there. Okay, so we're going to be in the war room, and we have the update that the same one that the Maesters seem to have gotten about how uh, the army of the dead is marching towards Eatswatch. Yeah, it's a little bit of a more personalized note because John is also getting the news that not only is Bran alive, but Arya is back in Winterfell as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's happy about that. 
Yeah, so John is like, I need to go home. I gotta go home. Uh, he's, he's like, did you just get here? Yeah, he's very scared of what's going on back there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The plan quickly becomes, uh, well, maybe like we could get everybody to stop fighting this war if we can get everybody to believe that the White Walkers are real. And Tyrion is talking about his sister. Maybe we can convince her that this is a real thing. Mm. But how could we do that? Got to capture a zombie, bro. Yeah. I'm surprised this doesn't get more pushback in the room. Everybody seems to uh, have gotten on board with this pretty quickly. Pretty quick. Uh, you know, everything that's happening at Dragonstone, it's happening fairly swiftly, unless you want to believe that this has been, you know, a, they've all been hanging out for a few weeks, which I'm fine with. I, I like that. I think, like, after a few weeks of hearing Jon Snow say, say the same stuff over and over and over again, you know, with some of the details he's probably giving them, I think eventually you come to believe, like, these guys are not liars you know Mm -hmm. they may be a little dumb a little daft these northerners but they are they're not liars they're honest people so i think after a while someone as smart as daenerys and the council that she keeps eventually these people are probably like oh man i think i i think they're probably right about the white walker thing Uh, yeah we probably got to deal with that do we ever get Varys's, uh you know come to jesus moment with the white walkers and the night king as sort of like another character in the story who uh you know uh, detests all things magic seems like that he might be a little bit more of a skeptic about this uh not yet mm-hmm. uh, as far as i can tell i mean he's seemingly on board with everything going on here like he's entertaining everything he's talking about how yeah. uh you know you're gonna you're going to try and convince Cersei about all of this. Like, I think it's a mistake, but I mean, he's playing out the scenarios. Um, I think Ferris is going to find out for sure that this is legit soon mm. enough. So, yeah. okay. Uh, so, I mean, he obviously has an understanding that magic is out there in the world. So there's yeah. uh, you know, he's not one of these skeptics that uh, thinks that there's no such thing as like sorcerers and stuff like that. So I guess, I guess he's uh, seen it all already. So uh, that this isn't the, the hardest thing in the world for him to imagine. So yeah, yeah I think so. We'll bring a uh, white Walker back. And then we also have to make sure that Cersei is going to grant us an audience and not murder us the moment that she shows up. How could we do this? Tyrion will take care of that. He'll take care of that mm. if he can if he can get into King's Landing. Um, we are, we finally we've got some use of the Onion Knight, the yes. old the old smuggler. He's got some tricks. Yes, Davos is a smuggler. He can smuggle Tyrion in, but he's not a fighter. You know, if they run into any trouble from the Gold Cloaks, uh, that's going to be it. I lo- I love how often Davos has to remind everybody, I'm not much of a fighter. Mm-hmm. Like, he really doesn't want no anyone. fingertips. Yeah, yeah. So my my father has the worst handshake of anyone I've ever encountered in my life. Uh, it is really horrible. It's like it's like shaking a dead fish. It's terrible. It's cold. It's clammy. It's weak. It's mm-hmm. awful. And uh, after years of weathering it and just like feeling terrible about it, I finally confronted him on. It. I said, "Why do you have such a bad handshake? You have to know your handshake is awful." And he said, "It's because he doesn't want anybody to expect anything from him." He wants he wants people to not have to expect anything. If you have a terrible handshake, 
no one expects anything from you. No one's going to depend on you. Wow. For anything. He wants to keep people's expectations very low. And I feel like Davos talking about how he's not a fighter and saying it with repetition uh, is similar, where he's like, don't expect anything from me because we're going to be very surprised in the instances where Davos does have to fight, much as with the Battle of the Bastards where he was totally serviceable and fine. So you got to keep those expectations low, dead fish handshake style. Wow, that, that's a great story. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. So Davos is going to smuggle in uh, Tyrion. Uh, that's going to be the move. Uh, we're also going to get uh, Jorah is going to go north of the wall. He'll go do that. He's like, hey, I, I have nothing else to do. Yeah, I haven't even unpacked yet. I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Really, Jorah? Uh, and he says, OK, he's up for it. And, uh, you know, the free folk will help us, too. So that's good. Yeah, but they won't follow Sir Jorah. And John says, they won't have to. Mm-hmm. And Jon Snow is going to go too? Yeah, John's in. John's in on the plan. He's going to lead the charge north of the wall to find a white. And Davos doesn't like this plan. John's the king in the north. He's not a knight's watchman anymore. He can't just be going willy-nilly beyond the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he is going to do it. Because this is the right thing. He knows how to fight him. He's the only one who does. And he's got business to attend to. Not to mention, Danny is not thrilled. She says, I haven't given you permission to leave. And John says, I'm not asking. I don't need your permission. I'm a king. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. John really buying his own height pretty quickly. I do mm, think. Yes. Okay. So he's leaving. He's off. He's off. He's, to off. he's yeah. going to do it. And uh, that's the that's the plan. I mean, I do like his whole sales pitch. Like, I put my trust in you. You're a stranger. I knew it was the best chance for my people. Please trust a stranger in return. And she's like, yeah, hard hard to fault that logic. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Another angry city council meeting going on at Winterfell. Yeah. Jan Royce is still here for whatever reason. (laughs) Yeah. They're complaining about uh, why did the king in the north leave us? We just made him king in the north. Yeah. Uh, No one seems to be in on Sansa. You know, Sansa's really trying to explain to everybody, like, John's doing his best. Just wait for John to come back. Nobody wants to, nobody wants to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But most of all, uh, Arya is uh, giving Sansa the stink eye. She doesn't like how Sansa's handling all this. So here we are, uh, you know, now we're, we're really, we're, we're really starting to get into it, right? Like this is probably, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think that this is the, the most maligned aspect of season seven is right. the, the infighting between Sansa and Arya and the fact that the, the Stark sisters are not on the same page. It seems like Arya is starting to feel maybe a little murderous towards her big sister. And Sansa is not appreciating where Arya is coming from. Arya doesn't like that Sansa is just allowing these people to insult Jon Snow while Jon is gone. She thinks that Sansa is too ambitious, that she has her eye on the throne. And Sansa doesn't think that Arya has any idea what she's talking about. And it's going to lead to these scenarios where it seems like we're to be believing that Arya is going to try and kill Sansa, but obviously that would never happen. But why are we even spending any time on this detour? Is it as bad in the rewatch as it was at the time so far for you? Um, Yeah, because it doesn't make sense still. I mean, are we supposed to believe? So this is all real, real FR, FR that 
we have everything going on here with Sansa and Arya and Littlefinger is playing them against each other, as we'll see later on in the episode, where it looks like he gets Arya to fall into one of his traps. And then at the last minute, Bran is able to shed enough light on the situation that then Arya and Sansa get on the same page. Or are we to believe that they are scamming Littlefinger the whole time? And that they are having fights with each other in rooms by themselves. It's the first just thing. as part. Okay. Yeah. It's got to be the first thing. It's got to be the first thing that there are, there's actual agitation here. I think that both Sansa and Arya have a lot of reasons in their lives to be very angry, very damaged, um, you know, looking for somebody to blame. And I think for Sansa, all of her family reunions so far have been so pleasant and have been so surprising in in how uh, certainly at least the one with John uh, surprising in the warmth that she has received that to see Arya back here, somebody who she had a frosty relationship with to begin with um, acting the way that she's acting in a time that's very stressful is a, uh, a figurative and potentially literal needle in the side that she does not need. Uh, and I think for Arya, Arya, somebody who has been away from all forms of of warmth and humanity for so long now, she's just struggling very hard to fit back in. And she has this very house of black and white view of how things should go when it comes to the Starks, that family first, you know, um, sort of in that Randall Tarley mold of like, it's all it's about us primarily. It's the pack and everybody else is secondary. And how could you possibly be even thinking about speaking negatively about John? So I understand where the conflict is coming from for both of these characters, but the scenes are unpleasant. I think that the scenes are just, no one likes watching these two characters going at each other the way that they are. Um, And it's, you know, it's resolved in a way that's so confusing that it causes these scenes to kind of play confusingly as well. Right. Even the Sansa and John scenes that we talked about from last season and in their reunion, you know, Sansa and John would sort of butt heads, but sort of at the end of every conversation that there would be some sort of like, uh, you know, you're right. I should listen to you. Right. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm so happy that you're that, you know, we're back together. And we, we don't get any of that with Sansa and Arya in these scenes. There seems to be like some you know genuine disdain after everything they've been through, all the family family members they've lost that they're back together and you know at each other's throats because of this like palace intrigue at Winterfell yeah yeah I mean I think to a degree I think some of it is understandable for the characters it's just it's unfortunate to watch and I think it's it's portrayed in a kind of clumsy sloppy way I do think that this is the weakest material in season seven okay all right. Uh, so uh, we are going to head over to the beach and <laughs> at King's Landing. <laughs> yeah. And here we go. Uh, Davos and Tyrion are going to uh, park on the shore and they're going to go their separate ways. And Tyrion says, hey, you're just going to leave the boat here. What happens if somebody takes the boat? Uh, yeah. And then Davos says, uh, well, then we're screwed. Yeah, he says it with the F word, and it's very funny. Yeah. Uh, and they they have another great moment when they're landing on the beach, too, where Tyrion is back in King's Landing for the first time since season four. And he says, the last time I was here, I killed my dad with a crossbow. And Davos says, oh, well, the last time I was here, you killed my son with wildfire. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow. It's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, a lot of reasons for grudges between these characters on uh 
on this show. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that, especially when we get to uh, the last couple of minutes of the exactly. episode. A lot yeah. of like, hey, you did this to me. You did this yeah, to me. You great. did this to me. Uh, so uh, we're getting the fast version of that with all these characters here in the end game. OK, Braun is going to be leading Jamie uh, down into the dungeons beneath the Red Keep uh, for a little bit of some sparring practice. And Jamie's like, uh, this is weird. Is it my birthday? Why are you why are you acting strange? Happy name day. No, it's not. It's a surprise, though. Hey, it's Tyrion. Tyrion's here. Uh, and for the sake of the surprise of the scene, we, the audience, are robbed the first reunion of Tyrion and Bronn, which is a which is a real shame. Mm-hmm. Like, how did how did Tyrion arrange this? We never get to find out, which is kind of sad. OK. And so. Uh, we see uh, Jamie and Tyrion uh, back together, and uh, Jamie is not thrilled. No, he doesn't like this at all. He hates uh, Tyrion. The last time, uh, you know, he parted ways with Tyrion, and it seemed like it was going to be fine. And then Tyrion killed their father, and Jamie promised he would cut him in half the next time he saw him. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, he wants to make good on that here, but Tyrion is trying to talk some sense into Jamie. Yes, I think it helps that Jamie does not seem to have a real sword; has only the sparring sword. Uh, Tyrion says that would take a minute uh, yes. if you wanted to do that. Uh, Tyrion's trying to explain, like, no, no, no you don't understand. He's going to execute me. Uh, I was innocent. James, let's cut to the chase here. What do you what do you want? I think this is a a sad part of Tyrion's arc that comes up again later in the season when he sits across from Cersei is he's really trying to get his siblings to understand where he's coming from and to like acknowledge that he had it rough growing up, that he was always on the wrong side of his father for reasons that were completely beyond his control and neither of them have any interest in hearing mm. him on it. You know, this is just like this this wound that he is going to have to learn how to how to live with the idea that he'll never get it resolved the way he wants it resolved. Very sad. Really sad for Tyrion. Yeah. Uh, Tyrion tells Jamie how uh, Daenerys is going to win the war. You have to see it our way. But she is willing to suspend the hostilities if Cersei agrees to something. Yeah. And Jamie says, if you want Cersei to bend the knee, ask her yourself. And Tyrion says, that's not what she wants, at least not right now. She has some more urgent business to ask you about. Okay. Meanwhile, over in Flea Bottom, Davos is uh, heading over to the blacksmith shop and he finds somebody that we have not seen in many years on Game of Thrones. It's the return of Gendry. Gendry's back. Back again. Yes. Uh, yeah. He was, uh, he's, he's been, as, he's been gone from Game of Thrones for as long as he was on Game of Thrones, maybe even longer at this point. Time wise, I uh, think it was longer because they banged yeah. out those first three seasons and then, uh, dilly dallied with, uh, four, five, six, seven. Um, yeah. Great line from Davos, uh, talking about, uh, what Gendry was up to. Uh, Davos said, I thought you might still be rowing. Yeah. You know, he's been reading the blogs. He knows what people are saying. Yeah. Okay. And so they have a laugh and uh, basically uh, Davos is uh, asking Gendry to uh, join him. And Gendry's like, yeah, sure. I'll I'll leave right now. Like, uh, let's close the store. Let me, let's get out of here. I've been waiting my whole life. Let's go. Yeah. Gendry's ready to rock. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it's definitely an S. Go and S. Get it move from Gendry here, who just wants to get out of here. Get me out of King's Landing. I've been making weapons for the Lannisters all this time. I've been making weapons for the people who killed my family. Every time I swing this hammer, I just want to smash it into some Lannister faces. Which explains the eagerness uh, in a, just a moment from now. Yeah. All right. So, okay, let's uh, get out of here. And so yeah. they are going to uh, take Gandry's uh, giant war hammer, a la a uh, Robert Baratheon, Bobby yep. B. Bobby B. And uh, they're going to head out to the boat and about to make a clean getaway. Just have to wait for Tyrion. But uh oh, here comes two of the gold cloaks. Yeah. And here's uh yeah. Riff and Raff over here showing mm-hmm. up. He's like, yeah, what do you got there? Yeah. Some fermented crabs. I can smell them from here. Yep. Uh, so Gendry's Warhammer's in the boat. They like throw the the like blanket. Uh, is that a, a satin sheet that's covering the fermented crab in the boat? Yes, a uh, red and, satin sheet. And they throw that over the Warhammer and says, uh, oh, look at this fermented crab. Yeah. It gets you going. It gets you going. Uh, also, first uh, up uh, that actually Davos bribes the guys uh, that Davos, uh, he's, you know, done this before. Uh, I don't know if he tried to do like a low ball offer on the negotiation of uh, five gold dragons, but it's yeah. 15 a piece uh, for those guys. And then they come over to look at what Davos is uh, smuggling. And Davos says that uh, the fermented crab is quite the aphrodisiac. And the the local brothels, they use this to really uh, boost the business. Yeah, apparently. Mm-hmm. Apparently that's the stuff. Yeah. Uh, and these guys are like, oh, that sounds, that sounds pretty good. I want some. Take a bite and uh, apparently they like it. Right. So, okay. So uh, they <laughs> seem, uh, you know, interested in what Davos has there. Yeah. When did Davos get the fermented crab is what I want to know. Also, um, do you think that the fermented crab uh, might have been a placebo? Uh, maybe. I mean, thing? like we said, I took some at the start of the podcast and uh, it's been, I've been hot blooded the whole <laughs> way through. So I think it's working. <laughs> yeah. OK. Uh, Davos says, uh, all right, hurry over to your favorite establishment. You put a hole in that chain mail. <laughs> ah <laughs> uh, oh man davos really might be my favorite character yeah i love uh, davos so much he's great and then Tyrion ends up walking out and like walks past the gold cloaks and it's a little like of a comedic moment where the gold cloaks like hey dwarf wait what uh and then uh davos is like oh don't try anymore because uh you gotta wait to see how the first bite hits you and uh then uh, we're gonna start to get into it with uh, Tyrion and uh, gendry knows it's go time yeah it's go time and he just picks up the hammer and just smashes these people to bits annihilates these yeah. guys faces destroyed faces no yeah. more like okay let's go all right yeah. Um, so we go back to, uh, the Red Keep and, uh, we see Cersei is, uh, you know, once again meeting with Kyburn and Jamie was like, why is Kyburn always here? He's, he's helping out. Yeah. Okay. The hand of the he's, queen. He's her guy. Okay. All right. Uh, Cersei knows that Jamie went to go meet with Tyrion. Yeah. She knows everything. Takes it well. Yeah. She Doesn't thinks, she thinks Bronn needs to get a demerit. Yes, uh, punishment for 
Braun for betraying Jamie again. Uh, but Cersei knows everything and uh, that she is on board with uh, the uh, accommodation of the Dragon Queen. Yeah, it could be in our immediate interest. She's got the numbers. It's a numbers mm-hmm. game. Uh, and to beat her, we got to be clever. Uh, yes. So uh, a minority split vote is uh, what she's thinking. Yes. So as as a bad actor, she is very much in favor of the you know face to face summit with the Daenerys to buy her some more time. Classic good move. Pl- good plan. Good plan. You know, just listen. These are scary stories that they're slinging about right now about dead men and dragons and dragon queens. These are terrifying times. If you can buy yourself a little bit of extra time to figure out what the heck is going on. Yeah, do that. That makes sense. You know, you got to get the golden company here, too. So, like, that's going to take a minute. So buy your time. All right. But Cersei has another bombshell to drop on Jamie. Says uh, she points. They've got some more golden company on the way. Check this out. Look at this. Look at this. Uh, yeah. Baby. Baby in here. B.O.B. Yep. And Jamie's, well, who, who are you going to say is the father? It's you, silly. What? You, you, silly Billy. You're the dad. Yeah. And remember what, what our dad used to say about uh, people? What did the he say? lion does not concern himself with the opinions of sheep. Unless the lion thinks he's a sheep like Lambert, the sheepish lion. (laughs) That's a whole different story. Yeah. Great story, though. Okay, Um, Cersei's baby. uh, How big of a deal uh, should we be uh, thinking about this going into season eight, Josh? Yeah, I mean, I've I've had a lot of thoughts on this. Uh, I think that Cersei's pregnancy is likely to be a big deal for the resolution of her character. I think it is a point in favor of her ultimate survival of potentially being imprisoned, uh, but the but the baby surviving. But that's just because of the instinct of like, well, Game of Thrones isn't going to to kill, you know, a baby like Game of Thrones isn't going to kill a pregnant woman. And then you have flashbacks to the season two premiere where they killed a baby and the Red Wedding where they killed a pregnant woman. So is that enough to to buy Cersei out of a fatal fate? I don't think so. Ultimately, I think um, I've speculated a little bit that uh, that Cersei's pregnancy could could play into the Arya Stark end game. We don't need to you know fully relitigate that here, uh, but I think that that could that could actually have some impact on how things might land for Arya. Uh, and I think for Jamie, who has been speculated to um, you know for a long time now to to close out this prophecy of the Valonqar, which is the younger sibling in uh, in Valyrian that Jamie has been speculated as the person who's going to kill Cersei someday. I think that him becoming not just the Kingslayer, but the Queenslayer and potentially killing his own child as a result would just add to the insane tragedy of Jamie Lannister. Um, so it's a, this is a very loaded thing heading into the final season. I'm not entirely sure how it's going to play out. All right, let me throw a wild theory at you. Could Cersei die in childbirth as Cersei's own mother uh, died when she gave birth to Tyrion, allegedly? Yeah. And then uh, technically, I mean, that if it's Jaime's child, would that be a resolution to the prophecy? 
Yeah, I think that that could work. And you could also, you know, interpret it as this is the youngest of the of the children that she had. So the youngest sibling there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I could see that. That'd be crazy. That'd be wild. Put and a then pin in it just in case. Jamie, we've sort of seen him uh, never really have a relationship with any of his kids that we sort of had like the scene that he had with Marcella right before she died. And then uh, only a brief scene or two with Tommen. Is it possible that, you know, Jamie could go on to uh, raise the baby after the fact? Not impossible. Um, it's hard to imagine a happy ending for Jamie Lannister. That would be the closest one that I could think of, you mm-hmm. know, but he's just, he's in such a bad way with his loyalties to the Lannisters and the, the white Walker war coming and his whole, you know, allegiance to Cersei that it's hard to imagine how he, how he ever finds himself in like the good graces of a Daenerys Targaryen, you know, for example, or the Starks. He already uh, switched sides at the end of the season. Yeah, but nobody knows that he pushed Bran out a window yet. You know, mm. like what's what's going to happen once that comes to light? So there's a there's a lot of unresolved questions. I love the idea of like Jamie and his newborn son like going off into the world like a like a new age lone wolf and cub, lone lion and cub. I think would be mm-hmm. fun. Um, but um, I don't know. It'd, it'd be it's certainly on the. It's on the board. I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked now that you've put that out there in the universe. I think it's a it's a decent theory. I think it's pretty good, actually. OK, Davos has a great scene here with Gendry where Davos uh, basically tells Gendry that, OK, we're going to go meet up with Jon Snow. And he says, like, the king's got a lot on his mind. Uh, and uh, he says that, uh, that he doesn't need to be worried about you. Your name is Clovis. You are just a blacksmith and you are coming to pay respect before he goes off to Winterfell. And Gendry says, "Okay, got it. Clovis, just a blacksmith. Understood. Got it. One hundred percent. Of course. Yes. Yeah. And then he meets Jon Snow and I says, hey, Jon Snow, this is Clovis. And Clovis says, yeah, just kidding. I'm Gendry. <laughs> I'm Robert Baratheon's bastard son. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Clovis is not real. That's the- <laughs> why you little Gendry. Uh, uh, Clovis field busted. That's not happening. I'm Gendry. Bobby B was my dad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a funny exchange where uh, Jon says you're a lot leaner. Gendry yeah. says, uh, you're a lot shorter, uh, Kit Harrington, uh, shade. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think that that's fine. Kit Harrington has a lot going for him. I think he can handle the, the height humor, mm-hmm. uh, especially if it's like baked into the, to the show. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, these guys are like best friends immediately. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, uh, they hit it off and, uh, we both have heard stories about that. And, uh, uh, Gendry is up for the battle, uh, that he has a warhammer. He can handle himself. Uh, Davos says. Yeah. He's a fighter. He's good at fighting. Not like me. I'm bad at fighting, but he can do it. Mm -hmm. And Davos says like, uh, yeah, nobody mind me. All I've ever done is live to a ripe old age. Yeah, and he says he says it's better to be a coward for a minute than dead for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. More of that dead uh, dead fish handshake logic. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so uh, we see uh, Tyrion uh, with Jorah, uh, and uh, they have a, a little bit of a reunion. It's nice. I like these two together. I think it's fun. And Tyrion saying, 
this is the coin that Mr. Echo gave us and it's gonna it was gonna pay us for the rest of our lives. So I want you to take this and I want you to bring it back to me so that you can you can make it back here in one piece. Mm-hmm. Says, it's very nice of you. Okay. Uh, Thank you. And Danny is going to have a goodbye uh, with John. Yeah, and John's, uh, you know, it's sweet where John says, like, ah, the good news, if I don't come back, you don't have to deal with the king of the north anymore. And she says, but I like the king of the north. Yeah, okay. Uh, John wishes Daenerys uh, good fortune in the wars to come. Uh, Classic, uh, classic goodbye. It's what we say all the time to each other when we hop off the podcast, the part (laughs) that we don't record when Rob and I get off the line. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so uh, John is off with uh, with jo- with Jorah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Citadel. Sam is uh, he he's cracking. He's uh, he's un- he's he's displeased. Displeased with the whole thing. He doesn't like that he's getting shut out by the Maesters. He's really seeing red to the point that he's not even really listening to Gilly who is reciting all this information from all these books that she is reading about uh, the High Septon Maynard's bowel movements and annulments and Prince Rhaegar's annulments and Sam cuts her off. And if he hadn't, he would have gotten some key information a little bit sooner than he ends up getting it. Yeah, classic Sam explaining everything to Gilly. Meanwhile, she has all the information right in front of her. Yeah, Gilly's the princess who was promised. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. Um, Sam ultimately is going to crack. He is tired of the Maesters and not doing anything. He's going to go to the library and then just steal all the books and then take Sam and Gilly and then just uh, get the heck out of there. Get out of there. Yeah, they're done. They're going to head back to the north. He's finished. Okay. All right. He doesn't want to read about the achievements of better men. He wants to be one of the better men. Okay, uh, let's go back to this uh, frustrating Arya storyline. Uh, a little bit of some uh, cloak and dagger going on here. Yeah, I mean, what what's there to say? Like, this is a scene where Arya like follows Littlefinger around for a bit, and then he, you know, he kind of leads her into a room where she finds uh, she finds out some stuff she that he's planted. He wants her to read letters and things, and then he's secretly watching her the whole time. Can you reset the note that Littlefinger has that uh, he had Jan Royce go and uh, and track down? And yeah, then, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's what Sansa wrote back in season one after uh, Ned got captured, and Sansa's trying to get everything to be resolved neatly. Uh, and its father's been charged with treason, and you need to bend the knee, and you need to to help everything going on. Otherwise, our dad's gonna die. This is what she was pressured into writing when she was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Littlefinger thinks that if Arya reads it, Arya's gonna be pissed and try to kill Sansa, and then Sansa will have just cause to take down Arya. And with Arya out of the way, Littlefinger will be able to more readily manipulate the Stark situation because Arya scares the pants off of him. He saw her fighting in the courtyard before. So that's Littlefinger's move here. That's what he's trying to do here. Uh, right, but, you know, not to poke holes in Littlefinger's plan. If, if his move is to try to make Arya want to kill Sansa, I feel like that, uh, like really good killing people. I think that's uh, Littlefinger playing a little fast and loose here. I think Littlefinger underestimates the Stark sisters and it gets him killed. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So 
she is going to sneak into Littlefinger's room, reads the note, but then the joke was on her because Littlefinger was spying on on Arya the whole time and wanted her to find the note. So, okay, uh, back and forth. All right, uh, I want to see that scene re-edited with the Pink Panther music underneath. <laughs> That's what I want. All right, uh, let's go back to East Watch. Yes, yeah, so we're going out to East Watch, which was uh, last mentioned. Many episodes ago, and by many I mean like five at this mm-hmm. point, uh, Tormund and the Free Folk have been manning East Watch. They get the they get the castle to themselves because that seems to be the likeliest port of entry for the Night King and the White Walkers. So John rolls up to East Watch with Davos and Gendry and Jorah in tow uh, because they want to go north of the Wall and they want to capture a White and bring it back to King's Landing and. Tormund is uh he doesn't love the idea right away. Yeah. Uh he's saying you you want to do what? Yeah. What how many queens are there now? What do we what is this plan again? Like I mean it's crazy that Tormund is the uh person in this entire episode that says, "Hold on. Run this past me one more time. What are <laughs> we doing?" <laughs> Yeah, I like how he's losing track of the queens or he's like, which right. one do we have to convince the one with the dragons or the one who boinks her brother? Yeah, I guess he's the person who's like finding out the plan at the last minute and he is going to be very involved with the plan, whereas a lot of the people that thought up the plan were sort of like, uh, OK, and then we'll see if this works. Right. Yeah, I mean, he's the guy in charge of the of Eastwatch. So, you know, you're coming into my house and telling me what we're doing. So. Uh, but it turns out that they're not the first people with an idea or at least a, a reason to be this far north uh, because they've got some guests in the East Watch prison cells. Yeah. And uh, we are reunited with uh, the Hound and uh, Beric Dondarrion and Thoros of Mir. And uh, we've got the whole uh, Ocean Seven uh, here together. And Thoros has the shakes. It's mm-hmm. not go- it's not going so well for Thoros, who isn't uh, he hasn't been allowed to drink much. He's very upset about that. He's recognized by Jorah Mormont uh, after Gendry first recognizes the Brotherhood. He's like, this, these are the guys who gave me to the Red Woman who put the leeches on my stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's yeah. very upset about that. And then Jorah's like, oh, man, Thoros. And then Thoros is like, oh, man, Jorah Mormont. And Torben's like, you're a Mormont? And Jorah says, you're a wildling? <laughs> yep. And Barrack says, we all hate each other. This is great. We're at the edge of the world, the edge of extinction. <laughs> we're all here. We hate each other, but we're here Are for the same reason. Yeah. We're doing what? We're going to go look for a white. What? Yeah. It's rice. <laughs> <laughs> it's crab. <laughs> <laughs> I would love Reem Daly and Keith to find uh, the fermented crab. I'd be very con- uh, concerned about what would happen next. <laughs> oh, no. <Yeah. laughs> All right. As bad. long as uh, Chris doesn't find it. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Warhammer. Okay. Oh, God. All right. Josh, so we are going to be setting up uh, a much better cliffhanger this week. Not, not quite a conventional cliffhanger, more of like a to be continued. Speaking of Keith. It's cool. I mean, does the next episode uh, fully honor the promise of Eastwatch? Probably not. I actually think in in um, in hindsight, we at the start of the podcast, we talked about this as a as a chess pieces episode, but it's a fun chess pieces episode. No, this was good. I liked it. Yeah. I, I had low expectations going in. 
And it has a cool ending. It's a, it's got this real energy to it as everyone's like charging off into the unknown and uh, the future is bleak possibility. Uh, and the result is relatively bleak as well. It's just maybe not as exciting um, or as airtight perhaps, but I don't know. We're going to, we're going to talk about beyond the wall as our next podcast two weeks from now, and we'll get to reevaluate it uh, with hindsight, really not a lot to reevaluate in terms of what we know will happen in the following episode. Cause we only have one additional episode to judge it against uh, beyond, beyond the wall. Um, but I think with, you know, a year and a half on from having seen that episode, I'll be curious to see what, uh, what we think about it. Okay. All right. Anything else from Eastwatch? Nope, that's all I got. Yeah, we just, uh, you know, send everybody out the uh, back door and then uh, out into the freezing cold. And uh, we're going to see what happens to everybody next time out. Uh, What do you feel like is the promise that is uh, unfulfilled in the next episode? I don't know. I mean, I I think that Beyond the Wall is not a super fondly uh, remembered episode of the show. I think Hmm. that uh, I think a lot of people had issues with Beyond the Wall. Uh, I do think when you think about like the penultimate installments of Game of Thrones seasons, which are typically the most exciting episodes of a given season, is it bottom of the barrel? It's either bottom of the barrel or second to last, depending on how you feel about the dance with dragons uh, in season five. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think most people think about hard home kind of, uh, you know, sort of filling that spot, even though it comes an episode earlier. Uh, I think a lot of it comes down to like people's issues with the Raven flight path and all of that. So we'll see. We'll see if we feel that same way. I think that there's some people who are really low on this episode uh, and not a ton of people who are massively high on it. Uh, so I'll be I'll be very interested to see what we think about when we encounter it together yeah i think i remember it being better and i feel like that the finale was underwhelming but that could just be it's been a minute it's been a minute it's been a minute okay all right so uh that's what we're gonna do in two weeks in two weeks everybody two okay. weeks uh two put weeks. a pin in it you know you've got you've got a little hang bit of time there. before we get back. hang in there everybody two weeks it'll be great it'll be great okay. when we're back of course uh josh wiggler will be uh publishing uh so much uh, game of thrones news uh that y- you'll you'll think that uh that he was uh hopped up on fermented crab I for am. weeks yes it was yeah. yes Go ahead and uh, follow all of that either on Twitter at Round Howard or at THR.com slash Game of Thrones. I am at Rob Sesternino. I have been talking about The Walking Dead with uh, Jessica Lee. And uh, How's you can that follow. Going? It's fun. I mean, I think we've had fun covering uh, this yeah. uh, back half of the season. Yeah. Uh, lots to talk about Henry, mm-hmm. about Alpha. Yeah. The Highwaymen. <laughs> Yeah, the highwaymen. Movies. Yeah. Freaking highwaymen. Yeah. All right. Uh, So we will talk to you again, Game of Thrones, in two weeks as we are inching closer to the Game of Thrones uh, season eight premiere, if you can believe it. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.